I was thinking about today's message, and I did want to share with you a little bit. I'm pretty excited about that because um, we talked already about graduations, and, and I, we were actually at a um, baccalaureate service the other night with a bunch of pastors and stuff, and, uh, and one of the other pastors said, boy, this takes me back to my high school graduation. You know, it's so funny, but no matter how far you get beyond that moment, Reba, that you always look back and you say, gosh, I remember my high school graduation, or I remember my college graduation. I still remember my college graduation as well, and uh, you, th- there's these poignant moments of transition in your life where, where honestly, it's like the, the most potential ever, and yet the most unknown situations you're going to face next, right? Like, I've had so many people, uh, matter of fact, n- not, not for nothing, but I've talked to a lot of college graduates that actually find themselves re-enrolling because they don't know what else to do besides be a college student. <laughs> so they go, I'm going to go for my master's, or I'm going to go for my doctorate, um, because they don't really know what's next, and uh, they just keep learning and learning. These opportunities that we have to transition are huge. And I'm going to say to all of you who are transitioning right now that we are transitioning too. As a matter of fact, I'm going to kind of break the myth that it's only at times of graduation you're transitioning. I'm going to say that all the time you're making choices about what's next for your life and about what you're going to do. So today, in, in light of that fact, as we, as we remember uh, some things coming to an end here at Family Bible Church, we're going to start something new, which is our new sermon series in the book of Philippians. The book of Philippians is really exciting to me because it's this idea of what a shared ministry looks like. And we're going to speak, I'm going to speak to you about that this morning a little bit from the first couple of verses. But today I want us all to be challenged. No matter what, I want us to be challenged by some of the most profound questions you will ever face in your whole life. And, and, and I think if, if nothing else, reading scripture should take you back in, your, in yourself to wonder what am I doing? What is this all about? And you, you'll know this is true if you've ever been through transitions in your life, whether it's graduation planned like that, whether it's unplanned like you flunked out, or whether it's unplanned like you get fired or you get a promotion at work planned, right? Um, there, there's opportunities for us to grow and to share. We're going to do what we always do is we're in God's word together. We're going to pray. We're going to pray that God's Holy Spirit would teach us because he is faithful to answer prayer. And would you please join me this morning praying for his inspiration. Uh, Father, we come to you uh, offering nothing of ourselves, having, having nothing in ourselves that's worthy of you and seeking your wisdom today. We thank you so much for our brothers and sisters who've come and shared gifts with us this morning, shared their heart, shared a, a plan or a blessing Father God, today as we continue in worship, I pray that you would open the scriptures to us, that you would teach us inside the truth of who you want us to be outside. May you transform our lives as we continue to be obedient to your spirit, and may we stand in awe at the great and glorious God that you are, because you are worthy of praise, you are worthy of glory, and you are worthy of every lip, every tongue confessing the beauty of the name of Jesus Christ. May we be part of that chorus. May we be part of those who do the work. We thank you for this opportunity to learn and to grow in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Amen. I'm going to ask you to turn. If you brought a Bible with you, this, this week's uh, um, I, topic is serve, right? I'm going to ask you to grab a Bible if you didn't bring one from the end of the chairs there and look up Philippians 1, chapter, uh, chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. Now, now, if you've been around a while, you go, man, two verses, that's not a lot, but it's going to be plenty for today. A couple of verses here. Book of Philippians. On our Bibles, it's on page 818. If you brought your own, it's probably not the same page number. <laughs> All right. Here's the way Paul opens his letter to the church in Philippi. He says this, Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints 
in Christ Jesus at Philippi, together with the overseers and the deacons, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Two simple verses, an opening of a letter, uh, offering of grace and peace to brothers and sisters somewhere else in the world. I, I love so much about this, but I want to talk about a word that Paul drops so easily in the first verse. In the first verse, he says, Paul and Timothy, you'll remember that Timothy, he calls him his son in the faith. He says, my, my son in the faith. And he's serving with Timothy. And he writes this letter and he says, what about him and Timothy? Servants of our Lord Jesus Christ. In our translation, it comes off so easy and so free. You, you, you can read it and not even pay attention to it. Well, who, who cares how they self-identify? Who, who cares the way they see themselves when they write a letter? But for Paul and Timothy, when they write this letter, they see themselves as doulos is the Greek word. Will you say it with me this morning? Doulos. One more time. Come on, some Greek. Doulos. Yeah, who cares about Greek, right? Who cares? But I'm going to tell you something, that words matter. And when Paul and Timothy say that they are doulos to Jesus Christ, they mean that they are servants of his Matter of fact, some people would say bondservant of his. The, the, the word in Greek actually means a slave to Jesus. The one who serves him, who is submitted to him. I want to talk to you about a few things that we see right away in these first two verses about what it looks like to serve Jesus. Because our culture, I'm telling you right now, wherever you go and whatever you do in your life, and this is especially for the college graduates, they're going to say, man, put yourself first. That's what they're going to say all the time. Chant, blow your own horn. To celebrate what you're doing. And God has given us a lot to celebrate. But here's the thing. When Paul and Timothy write, they say, no, we're servants of Jesus Christ. Whose horn they blow first is Jesus. Make him known among the nations. Check it out. I want to tell you a few things about what it means to be a servant of Jesus Christ. They are concerned about God's church and his people. And, and lately in my life, in my heart, God has been doing something with me where I, I'm, and I, myself, and if you're here and you see me all the time, and you say, Bill, you're as bad as everybody else, then call me out on it because I'm so frustrated with people picking on the church of Jesus. I mean, this church, I mean, everybody's just, you know, nee, 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 nee. They're down there, whatever. Like, I don't even care. It's the bride of Christ. And those who love Jesus, who are, who are called to bend the knee to Christ, love his church. They celebrate his church. And when you, you see it here, Paul writes this letter. He's not writing to his home church. He's not writing to the people that he knows. He's writing to Philippi. He says, I have great concern for you. What does it say? It says, to all the saints, all the holy people in Philippi that are in Christ Jesus, together with the overseers and deacons. That's a very specific thing. He's worried about the leadership of other churches. He's praying for the leadership. He's writing to the leaders. And you say, well, that's because Paul started it. I get it. But listen, he cares about the work of Jesus and the work that he's doing in this world. The second thing I want to say is this. They lead by words and example. Now, sometimes we fall from one side to the other. They say, he's grace and peace to you, Right? But if you read on in the book of Philippians, and we will that we're here, and if you're leaving, you can still read the book and see. But Paul doesn't just say, I'm a servant of Christ. He doesn't just say grace and peace to you, but he demonstrates it through his life. He, he'll go on in this book to say that he is in prison right now. And the crazy thing about what Paul says about being in prison, because you could, if, you, if I was in prison, I would be like, I'm in prison, boo-hoo me, Right? 
But for Paul, he's like, I'm in prison, praise God, because he's going to use it for his glory. You know what he says about it? That jailers are coming to faith because the, they put me in prison. Praise God. He believes that God is sovereign, and he's doing God's work all the time. The, the other thing is that he's always making God known as a servant of Christ, no matter what, being led. And, and I want to say this now. So Paul in his life is doing the real thing, but here's the other thing. Some of you, <clears throat> I'm going to pick on some of you, say, well, I'm living my life right. I don't have to tell nobody about Jesus. But you know, Paul wrote the letter. Paul and Timothy, they were doing it. And they could have said, hey, we're good enough. We're doing good enough. But they sat down, they wrote a letter. No, here's what we're going to tell you about what it means to follow Jesus. And we are, we are called to do the same thing, lead by both word and example. The third thing we learn right here is that they are bringing grace and peace to the people of God. And we talked about that already, celebrating what God is doing. But really, like grace and peace, right? To Christ, to his people. Check it out. They are children of God. Look at verse 2. Grace and peace to you from God our Father. Just children of God. And that's one of those things we can say so often we forget that it means anything. Children, you're a child of God. Yeah, you're a child of God. Man, you're a child of God. Like, I don't know if any of you guys have daddy issues, but guess what? God is your father. Like, that's the gospel of Jesus Christ. He's your father. He's your father's father. He's also the father of your children. God the Father. I love that. Look, grace and peace to you from God our Father. Where's the peace? From God the Father. And here's the last thing. Children of God, the fifth thing we learn is that Jesus Christ is really the boss and manager of our life. The boss and manager of our life. I'll tell you a story. I get so encouraged by Christians, right? And I don't know if you guys ever get encouraged by Christians. I get really encouraged by Christians. And I was talking to a Christian friend of mine, and she was telling me, I wasn't sure what to do next. And so I prayed and prayed and prayed that God would show me what was next. And in this situation, God said, either of those two things is fine. And she just picked one and did it. And he blessed it, right? But the funny thing is, I was so encouraged because she prayed and prayed and prayed. I remember one time I was talking to somebody, and they said, it's easy for you because you're a pastor. You just pray and do what God tells you. <laughs> I thought, you're a Christian. <laughs> you just pray and do what God tells you, right? It's this idea of being a servant, a bondservant of Christ is, is more than just um, an obligation, but it's an opportunity to love and to serve Jesus. And it doesn't, it transcends our roles or our jobs. And we're going to talk about that in a minute. But all the way around, no matter where you are right now, I, I've talked to you guys about this so much. You're an ambassador for Christ. You're being sent out into the world, into a dark and dying world to proclaim good news. And he does that work all the time through us. One more word about it being a bondservant, right? These aren't people who are oppressed. These aren't people that have to ho-hum, doggone, I got to serve again today, right? And, and I've been there. I've not wanted to get up. I've not wanted to do the work. But there are people who, when they see Christ and when they remember the joy of their salvation, that they willingly serve. You'll remember the Bible is replete with people who say this, send me, send me. Not people who are in the back going, oh, I hope you don't pick me again. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, send me to serve. Send me to bend my knee. Send me to wipe someone's feet. If you go to Greenville College, you know what is the Ganton Circle? Is that where it's at? There's this bronze thing that you all do donuts around. Right? 
It's a picture of some dude on his knee with a towel around his waist, I think. No nudity, Greenville College. And he's washing somebody's feet. It's the model. We, we read it. We see it. But who wants to do it? I don't know. I don't know. So I'm super excited because one of these things that happens in life is we keep saying, one of these days, one of these days we're going to do it. One of these days we're going to get together and pull something off. And uh, I've been talking to my brother Isaac for a while. I, and I've so, I've got to apologize because I kept saying, brother, we're going to have you come share. And then this is it. The last Sunday you're here, man. And we might have to come to Chicago and see you up there. But, but I'm going to ask Isaac to come up. and He's going to bring the word. Yeah, whatever you want to use. Hello, everyone. I was really confused for a while because when Bill went up there and he went up there with his Bible and his notepad, I was just like, oh, crap, this is confusing. And so I was, I was really confused. So, oops. All right, so I, didn't, I don't have a PowerPoint at all. And so if you're taking notes... We're going to be in three different places in the Bible today. Um, so if you're taking notes, write this down. If you're not taking notes, write this down. Exodus 33 is the first place we're going to be. Um, dude, people are actually writing stuff. Dude, that's good right there. Matthew 11 is a place we're going to be, Maybe. <laughs> maybe. And then Mark 9 is a place that we're going to be. So many papers. I'm not a highlighter guy. I'm a paper guy. So if papers start flying out of my Bible, it's because I'm a paper guy. And so we're going to start in Exodus 33, or Churchy 3. I say Churchy because my niece doesn't know how to pronounce the T-H. And so I'm a full supporter of my niece. And so where it's like literally, I say literally, and like, you know, okay. All right. <sighs> Exodus Church Tree. All right. Everybody ready? Dude, I'm really excited, okay? All right. So we're going to start at verse 7. Now Moses used to take the tent and pitch it outside the camp, far from the camp. He called it the tent of meeting. And everyone who sought the Lord would go out to the tent of meeting, which was outside the camp. Whenever Moses went out to the tent, all of the people would rise and stand, each of them, at the entrance of their tents, and watch Moses until he had gone into the tent. When Moses entered the tent, the pillar of cloud would descend and stand at the entrance of the tent, and the Lord would speak with Moses. When all the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the entrance of the tent, all the people would rise and bow down all of them, at the entrance of their tent. Thus the Lord used to speak to Moses face to face, as one speaks to a friend. Then he would return to the camp, but his young assistant Joshua, son of Nun, would not leave the tent. Verse 12. Moses said to the Lord, See, you, see, you have said to me, bring up, bring up this people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. Yet you have a friend. You have said, I know you by name, and you have found also favor in my sight, 
Now, if I have found a favor in your sight, show me your ways so that I may know you and find favor in your sight. Consider that this nation is your people. He said, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. And he said to him, if your presence will not go, do not carry us up from here. For, sh- for, <laughs> for how shall it be known that I have found favor in your sight and I and your people unless you go with us? And this way we shall be distinct and I and your people from every people on the face of the earth. All right. Make sure you don't lose me. All right. 17. The Lord said to Moses, I will do the very thing that you have asked, for you have found favor in my sight, and I know you by name. Moses said, show me your glory. I pray. And he said, I will make all my goodness pass before you and will proclaim before you the name the Lord. And I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious and I will show mercy to whom I will show mercy. But he said, you cannot see my face for no one shall see me and live. And the Lord continued, see, there's a place by me where you shall stand on the rock. And while my glory passes, I will put you in a cleft of the rock and I will cover you with my hand until I've passed by. Then I will take away my hand and you shall see my back, but not my face. All right, so let's pray. If you're titling this, title this, Where's the Beef? All right, let's pray. Dear Lord, show us the beef. Amen. All right, so <laughs> it's a little less intense now. Okay, so um, I'm going to tell you about this graduation party I went to. Going to Greenville College, you meet a lot of weird people. And so somehow, some way, those weird people trickle back home in Chicago. So I have this friend. Um, she went to Olivet Nazarene, and uh, she had a graduation party. And so, I, I, you know, I'm a, I frequently go to graduation parties because graduation parties mean free food, all right? And so I'll bring a card. I'll go to the graduation party. And so she was, she, she, she's openly trying this new vegan thing, but if you're having a barbecue, you're still going to have meat, you know? I'm down with that. And so, you know, I give her my card, and I, got, I went to the grill and got me a burger. It's like the perfect exchange. And so I sit down, didn't pay attention to what the burger was. I just figured, like, it's a beef burger. And so I sit down, and I eat it, and I'm like, this is not beef. <laughs> Someone lied to me. This is not a cheeseburger. And there's like, oh, no, it's not cheese. It's a bean patty. I was just like, no, I, don't, I didn't come here for a bean patty. You lied to me. This is, this is, I want a beef burger. And so, of course, I stayed for another 30, 45 minutes upset because I didn't have a beef cheeseburger. And I went to Wendy's, and I was happy. But sometimes, like, sometimes we say we're Christians. And, you know, we say we have this connection with God. But, you know, we, sometimes we just have to ask ourselves, and sometimes Christ probably asks us, like, hey, man, like, where's, where's the beef? Okay, because you say you're beef, but you're really a bean patty. You know, you say you, say you got 100% grade USD approved, you know, like your McDonald's or something like that. But in all reality, it's a pork burger, you know, with little beans in there. You know, put some tomatoes in there to add a little flavor. But, you know, we say these things. And even the Bible warns us. It talks about fruit. Like, we call ourselves, we call ourselves apple, but we're orange like an orange. We have the citrusy, acidic taste like an orange, but we're still calling ourselves apples. So, my question to you is, where's the beef? 
All right, and the beef is in, and, and my answer would be the beef is in our worship. All right, and so we, we, we have this perception of worship is song, worship is dance, worship is art, and that's simply an expression of worship. And we, like, and we typically just confine our worship into this box, this goofy box, and sometimes it's not goofy because we go on Pinterest. Some of us go on Pinterest and, like, dress this box up. I don't have a Pinterest page. I'm lying. Yes, I do have a Pinterest page. And so we go and we dress this box up. Or if we're guys and we're too manly going Pinterest, we take our box and we throw it down a couple of stairs so it has a couple of bruises on it. So, you know, it makes it looks like we've been through some things. And so, <laughs> it was funny. I don't know. Okay, so if I tell a joke, like, just laugh or just chuckle or something like that. Because <laughs> I think I'm funny. And so, and so, and so we, we, we try to confine our worship into this box, and we simply can't define, confine our worship into this box because our worship is our connection with God, you know? And if, we, and if we're confining this, our worship into this box, you know, we're limiting, we're limiting our connection with God, you know? Everybody with me? Ooh, I like that. Response, response. And so we want to, we, like, we really want um, our worship to just, you know, relay on, a, like, a Sunday, because we don't want our worship to be during chapel. No one wants that, okay? 9.30 in the morning, no one wants that. And so we want our four songs. We want our message. We want our altar call. We want our joy box reference. Who do? I always want to do that, okay? <laughs> I, just, I always wanted to do that, and I finally did it, because when I sit there, I always miss it. And so, like, I just want to do it. That makes me feel good. Okay. <clears throat> and so... <laughs> Where was I? Okay, and so we want <laughs> we want worship to be our four songs. We want it to be this message we could find in this box. And I'm not saying that having these things are bad because they're great because you get to come in the community and you get to share with other people. But we just can't be stuck here. We have to grow. Uh, we have to be fighting day in and day out for our constant connection with God, especially in a generation like this where people always talk about how bad the generation is. And we focus so much on how bad our generation is. And we start to lose our connection with God because we're too busy complaining about other things. Okay, and so we, we have to find ourselves not being comfortable with the God that we already know, okay? And so we get this dude, Moses, we get this dude, Moses, who, who's been through so much with God. He, he constantly fought with God, you know what I mean? Like, he, he just wasn't complacent. He wasn't complacent with the God um, of his experiences. He just wanted to know God just a little bit more. Just, you know, just that, just that smidge more of God. He just wanted to be a little more intimate with God and who God was. And so our bodies are like a well of fulfillment, uh, uh, just like a well, you know, a constant pouring in and a constant pouring out. And so we go through everyday life and we constantly pour out and we come waiting on a, on a Sunday or even a Thursday night Vesper service or waiting on our great chapel speaker to come who's really good. And we, we constantly wait to, be, wait to be filled. We want our well to be filled, but our, our well inside our soul is, is constantly pouring out. And so if we're only getting filled one day out of the week, then you're never being filled because the moment you walk out of church, you're pouring out again. So let's keep going. And so, and so like, like, where do you get to the point where it's just like, okay, like I'm going to fight for this connection because I can't go to Walmart in Highland because I love going to the Walmart in Highland because I don't like the Walmart in Vandalia. But if I go to the Walmart in Highland, I just feel so empty, right? I feel so empty. And so I'm just like, okay, I can't make a decision on whether I want the generic Lay's or the real Lay's. I need to get filled right now. 
but I can't call, you know, just a small example. And so I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm so empty right now in, in, the, in the aisle in Walmart, and so I need to call Dan Burns because, you know, Dan Burns fulfills me, and so when I go to church on Sunday, you know, I just need to call Dan Burns, and so it's 11 a.m., and I need to be fulfilled, and so I'm calling Dan Burns. It's like, hey, Dan, I know you might be busy, but I, I kind of need to be filled right now. You know, I kind of need to be connected with God. So don't come unless you come with your guitar, all right? You can stay home if you don't have that, or you can go to the church and get it and then come back. You know, like, what does that look like? You know what I mean? That's, that's, that's essentially what our walk turns into when the only time we expect to be connected with God is on a Sunday. Right, so let's keep going. And so um, you, see, you see this dude, Moses, he's, he's constantly vying for this connection with God. Like, this is a dude who, you know, it says that he, he's talking to God face-to-face. And so, like, if I'm talking to God face-to-face, what more do I want? You know what I mean? And, and, and you got this dude, Moses, he's, he's constantly vying for this connection with God. And it's just like, whatever you just did 20 minutes ago, it, it's not enough for me anymore. Because I, I just need a little, just a little bit more. He asked God twice. Exodus 33, just like, hey, if you're coming with us. Um, in verse 1 through 6, um, God tells him, he's like, hey, I don't know if I really want to come with you because, like, if I come with these stiff-necked people, I might kill them. You know, you always have that, you always have that friend. Just like, I really, don't, I really don't want to hang out with Kirk today because Kirk kind of bothers me, and if he keeps talking, I might, I might hurt him, okay? You know, you always have that. And imagine if, imagine if God's that guy that's just like, if I'm coming, I'm, I might kill all of them, all right? These stiff-necked, these wretched people, I just may kill all of them, so I probably won't be coming anywhere. You know what I mean? And so Kirk's my dude. I always hang out with Kirk. But, like, if God's like, hey, I don't want to hang out with Kirk today because I'm on the verge of killing Kirk, okay? But Moses is in this plea with God. He's just like, hey, if you're not going, I'm not going, okay? If you're not going anywhere, I'm staying right here because it's not because we're great warriors. It's not because I'm a great leader. It's not because I have this great Greenville College education, amen? And it's not because of any of these things that we are at where we're at today. It's because of you. So if you don't go, I'm not going. And so Jesus, I mean, not Jesus, but God tells him, like, hey, I'll come with you. And so, you know, Moses wants his reassurance, and he's like, hey, um, if you don't go, I'm not going. And so are you really coming with us? Because, like, you said, for a couple minutes ago you said you weren't coming. Now you say you're coming. Like, are you, are you coming for real? Like, is this for real, for real? Like, when I was sitting right there and Bill started talking, I was just like, am I going to be up there today? <laughs> so it was one of those things where it's just like Moses just really wanted this connection with God. And so Moses wasn't going anywhere if God wasn't going, you know, and it's almost like, it's almost like, like, we shouldn't go anywhere if the only, if our only connection with God is in church, you know, because it turns into one of those things where you, you're only a Christian for about 45 minutes to an hour and a half in church, and so the moment you walk into your car, um, you're not a Christian anymore, you just lose all that, but it's like, it's like the practice before you get married, you know, you don't, your first date with your wife isn't, you know, the day after you marry her, you know what I mean? No? Okay, it is. Was it? Okay. And so, like, God wants to constantly be connected with us. God wants to be with us forever. Like, he wants to be connected with us forever. Like, till death do us part, honey. You know, it's one of those. He wants to be connected with us through the good and through the bad. 
um, because we, we sometimes we, well, I'm on the fence. I can't tell you what to do. Sometimes I'm on the fence between like, man, that was really good. Like when Justin called me at 830 in the morning, I was just like, oh, man, this is so good. Thank you so much. And when it's going through the bad, it's just like, God, I really need you to get me out of this hole. You know what I mean? It's like the good and the bad. And so let's talk more about Moses. Um, and so Moses is just like, like God, like, uh, I just want to be connected with you. I just want to be with you. And then he's just like, God, are you going to be here? And God's like, yeah, man, I'm going to be here. And then he asked him a second time. He's like, hey, God, are you going to be here? And God's just like, hey, man, I mean, I'm going to be there. And then, he, and then like, in the, in the midst of the moment, Moses is just like, show me your glory. Just like, man, I just told, like, if God tells me, like, I'm going to be here, there's nothing, there's no more conversation that needs to be had. You know what I mean? But Moses, in the midst of this conversation with God, he's just like, show me your glory. Show me the distinction of your glory. The Hebrew, you like that, Bill? The Hebrew word means kabod, the weight of your, I want to feel the weight of your glory. And so that is the predicament that Moses is in. And that's sometimes something that we just miss. The, we, 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 became, we become suckers to the gods of our experiences. We just get so used to what God has done for us that, that we miss asking for more of God, seeing more of God's glory. But we'll talk about that some more. And so how do we stay connected with God? Where do we miss that? Where do we lose our connection with God? And I think in my life, I can't, like, again, I don't know your lives. I can't tell you what to do. A lot of you are old enough to be my parents, and it'd be awkward telling my parents what to do because It'd just be weird. Um, and so in my life, I've seen me lose a connection with God, especially over the last three years when I had an offended heart. When I just get so hurt because I'm not getting the answers that I want from God. You know, I start to withhold, I start to withhold my worship from God because God isn't giving me the answers, the answers that I want right now. And we see, and we see it in the prodigal son story. Okay, the, the younger son leaves, then the younger son comes back, and there's this big festival. And then we see the older brother working in the field, wanting answers that he didn't get, and now he's withholding the worship from his father. And sometimes we fall into that trap. And sometimes we fall into the trap where we think we're the father and we're not. We're the younger brother or the older brother, and we fall into this trap where we think we have more power than we actually do, and that we have the, the, the overwhelming grace that we don't. And we see it. You just see it in the prodigal son story. And so we start to lose that connection. And Jesus warns us, and he tells us when, he talks in, when he's talking to John the Baptist in uh, Matthew 11, he says, blessed is anyone who takes no offense at me. And it's weird that he tells John the Baptist that because he tells John the Baptist that in jail. And so John the Baptist is in jail, and he sends, he sends Jesus a letter. And he's like, hey, I'm in prison. I may die because I talked about a stripper, and I'm in prison. They're going to cut my head off. Are you the one? Is this, really, is this really worth it? And then Jesus starts quoting Isaiah. You can read it in your Bible. I'm not lying. Trust me. Um, he starts quoting Isaiah, and he says, the lame will walk. He says, the mute will sing. The deaf will hear. But he kind of leaves off that part when Isaiah talks about the prisoners will be freed. Because, I, because John the Baptist had to sacrifice and stay and not have an unoffended heart because he was a follower of Christ. Yep, there we go. 
And so let's let's talk some more. Let's have, let's have fun, okay? I'm all about having fun, okay? And so, and so, how do we maintain that connection with God? And so, last night, as I was playing, I was okay. So I was on rounds last night, and all my rounds consisted of nearly breaking my leg. Um, <laughs> they're laughing because they were there for that. Uh, nearly breaking my leg, playing the Game Boy, and prepping for this. And so my mind was kind of all over the place. And so. Um, when I was playing my Game Boy, I was playing Pokemon Gold because it's the best. I mean, it's the best one. I feel like um, still haven't caught a Pikachu yet, but it's okay. Um, and as I was playing my Game Boy, this is weird. I kind of had an epiphany um, of three ways that uh, that we can see God's glory through our lives. And so, if you're taking notes, um, you can title this. You can title this how to how I met God, all right? So, yeah, how I met God, um, M-E-T, how I met God. And the first way we meet God is through a miracle. Boom, through a miracle. And so I'm not thinking like the miracle of you broke your leg, some guy came, some random dude, stranger came, and he heals your leg. I'm thinking more of like a deeper miracle, a miracle of like a heart change. Okay, and so we see the story, we see the story in Luke 5, I believe it is, and, you know, these, this guy brings his friend, his friends, like, opens up a, a roof, they cut a hole in the roof, which is pretty expensive, because the Bible doesn't say they fix the roof, um, they bring, they cut a hole up in the roof, and they, they, they lure this dude down, and uh, he's paralyzed, and so, you know, Jesus is in the middle of a sermon, and they lure this dude down, and, you know, they, like, Jesus sees this guy, this broken dude, and uh, they both come into an agreement that I'm a broken dude. But they don't agree on what kind of broken he is. Okay? Like, his body's broken, but, but Jesus is more into, like, how's your soul doing? How's your spirit doing right now? And so, in the midst of all this madness, you know, Jesus says, I forgive your sins. All right? And so, how we met God, the first way we meet God is a miracle, the miracle of a heart change. The next way we meet God is experience. Through our experiences, we start to see, like Moses, we start to see the glory of God. We start to see how God can truly affect our lives. Um, like, like, like Moses. Like, Moses saw Jesus turn a, like, turn a snake out of his staff. He turned water in the blood, you know, and then he saw a little cute trick that the magicians tried to do that created Kool-Aid. I kind of appreciated that because I'm a Kool-Aid kind of guy. And then we see <laughs> no one, nothing. I thought that was pretty good. I thought that was pretty, no one good. Dang it. Okay. So, <laughs> dang it. Uh, and so, <laughs> I don't know where I was going with that. And so, like, you know, Moses sees the, Moses sees the cloud. And so Moses becomes more familiar. He wants more, but he sees the things that God can do. And so that propels him to want more and see more of God's glory. And so first we, we need a miracle, we need an experience, and we need a testimony because it just ties it all together. Because now it stops being about me, the miracle and the experience, and it starts to become about a community, you know? And I guess the question I just ask myself is just like, what would church look like if we all came connected to God already? Like, how much more could we consume in, in a setting like this if we already came 
fully connected with Christ. If we, had, if we all came together, we bunched together with our miracle, our experiences, and our testimonies, our unedited testimonies. Because, like, I mean, in a, in a, in a generation like this today, like, we've like, we seen it, you know? We've just, we just seen it. The Bible, like, even in the Bible, like, it shows people's unedited testimonies because if they were edited, it would be kind of boring. You know what I mean? You get Paul, the guy who murdered all these people, you know? And what if the Bible said, like, Paul broke a dude's leg? Not necessarily murdered anyone, but he just broke a dude's leg. I mean, it's kind of boring. It's like, where do I see the miracle in that? You know what I mean? Where do I see the heart change? Where do I see experience in that? You know, and so you, you, you kind of lie to yourselves and you lie to everyone else and doesn't allow the community and God to work through you and your experiences. And so the testimony. And so now we get back to this dude, Moses. Moses is a guy who didn't need answers. And so in the midst of his conversation with God, he's just like, show me your glory. And so God tells him, he's like, hey, you can't, you can't necessarily see my glory because, like, in the terms and conditions of our relationship, if you see my glory, you'll die. So if you do this, like, you won't be living anymore. And so, you know, he walks past Moses, and, and Moses sees where, God, sees where God's glory goes by. And so Moses makes a cameo appearance in the New Testament. Matthew 9. You don't have to go to Matthew 9. I, like, read the story, like, four times last night in between my Game Boy breaks. And so I can, like, bring it, bring it down to you. And so in Matthew 9, Jesus is, like, Jesus is walking with his disciples. And uh, he sees these two dudes. He sees Elijah, and he sees Moses. You know, and if you fast forward a couple times in the, in the, in the Gospels, you see that, <laughs> that Jesus tells his disciples and the other people, it's like, if you see me, you see my father. And so at Mark 9... You see Moses finally get to see God's glory, Jesus' glory. And so my challenge to you is to challenge yourself on where are you seeing God's glory in your life? How are you trying to find the beef in your life? And so let's pray one more time. Um, dear Lord, just thank you for your loyalty to us. Um, just thank you for your pursuit of us as we try to pursue you and your perfection. In the midst of our tough times, Lord, in the midst of our good times, um, just continue to show us your glory as we pursue you. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise God. Thanks, Isaac. Sad I had to wait till the end for that. So here's what's really cool, right, is um, what would it look like if we all came already excited about what God was doing in our life, right? That'd be awesome. We're going to do something now. We're going to respond in worship. Um, I, uh, I'm in awe of what God does. I'll tell you a little secret about Family Bible Church, and you're not going to like it. It's all about God. And what stinks about that is when we're not getting our way and things don't go like we thought we were going to go, we can get mad at each other and we can get all frustrated, but it's all about God. And when things are going great, and we're like, oh, you did so good. It's all about God. So today we're going to do what Family Bible Church does so well. We're going to worship God in the chaos. Today is Communion Sunday. 
And today we're going to remember the truth that Jesus died for us in the chaos. That he gave his life when we were sinners. I mean, dead, far from him. And what we're going to do today, and this is going to get some of you all rankled up. I'm just telling you right now. But we're going to stand and sing. And as we sing, we're going to pass the communion around and worship God fully. I will invite you that if you know Jesus as your Savior, you are welcome to this table. This is not Family Bible Church's table. We don't control who sits here. Jesus Christ does. If you know him as your Savior, you can receive communion while we worship. If you do not know him as Savior, today you can receive him as Savior. It's a simple matter of saying, God, I need you. God, I'm sick of doing it myself. I'm sick of finding my own way, and I want you to guide me in my life. And if you do that today, and you, you're serious with God today, God is super serious with you about that stuff. He's pursuing you in your heart. And you can receive communion today if you know him as your Savior. And I'm not trying to put that on you. So if you don't, if you don't want it or whatever, here's the coolest thing about receiving holy worship. You can pass that plate to the guy next to you, and they ain't even going to know whether you had it or not, all right? So we're going to ask the band to come forward right now. And as the band comes up, we're going to serve communion to the band, and they're going to lead us in worship. And I'm going to ask the leadership team to come forward as well. If you're not in the band, <laughs> you guys need communion. Yeah, you want to take that, Paul, and serve your brothers? Yeah, just kind of pass it around there. <clears throat> the funny thing is, if you think about communion, sometimes, look, we got gold plates and stuff to make it all fancy. But what's crazy about communion is this. Jesus says to his disciples, every time you do this, remember me. He didn't say, like, you got to be holy to do this. Thanks, Dan Burns. But every time that you do it, every time the disciples kind of grub up the golden plates with your hands, remember me. And that's why today we're going to pass communion plates around. Brothers, if you help me out, we're going to do this together as a band. We're going to stand and sing. Listen, we're going to pray real quick, and then I'm going to let the band start, but just as you are led by the Spirit of God, when you receive communion, you can just take it as you get it. You can hold it. You can wait. You can do what you want. If you just sit, sit. If you can stand, stand. If you want to shout, shout. If you want to clap, clap. I'm just kidding. None of you can clap. We've tried it before. Maybe the Holy Spirit will move today and we can clap, all right? But let's pray to God will be present as we celebrate communion and life together in the mess that it is. May you be glorified, Father, as we come to your house to worship you. As we sing songs of praise to you, Father God, may you change hearts and minds and lives forever. And may we never be ashamed, never be ashamed to bend a knee to you and to worship you for all you have done. You are worthy of praise and glory. May you be made known as your people break bread and remember you. We pray it in Christ's powerful name. Amen.